About the moon and the June and the spring. I love to sing about a sky of blue or a tea for two. Anything with a swing to I love you. I love to. I love to sing. I ran out of impressions. So now I just randomly sing. Uh, if you have any suggestions for who I should uh, sing some random pop tune, you can even suggest the tune too. At Boombox Pod. If I pick yours, I'll credit you. Welcome to the IBB. Yeah, you know me. Intergalactic Boombox. This is Kyle Bear. Can you believe it's the end of 2021? I saw a meme that said, uh, it's almost 2022. Except it was 2020, comma, T-O-O. The question of the week. What's some outdated tech you own that still works? And when it rains, it pours. Boy, did I get a lot of responses to this one. The Grinning Gin says, my back. Ladarius Brown, TI-83, Sephiroth Wolf, to my surprise, my original MK2 Sega Mega Drive, Jeff Ongdahl, my iPod, Mike Payne, I own two DVD-VCR combos and still use them daily. Shout out, Mike. I used to intern for Mike at uh, Z-Rock, Hard Rock Heavy Metal Station out of Dallas. Mike the Birdman Dodd says, an original Zune. All right, Star-Lord. Adam Langsine says, my sharp twin Famicom, Phoenix Wright. My office fax machine, and I hate it. We got lots of people saying these uh, handheld game consoles and everything, uh, like Talk USA says Famicom with the disc system. NES, SNES, Game Boy, Game Boy Advance, N64, PS1, PS2, Sega Genesis, VCR DVD combo, LaserDisc player, HD DVD player, and a small CRT TV. I still have my HD DVD player. It was uh, part of the Xbox, one of those add-on drives. And I have no idea if it still works. It worked last time I had it hooked up, back when dinosaurs roamed the Earth. Sky Sharky's piece of outdated tech that still works. A pneumatic player piano. A Betamax. Sony Watchman's portable transistor radio with shortwave capability. Jack Speyside says a hand crank meat grinder. OG Lunar Tail, I have an 8-track player. Hartley Reaper, I have a Vietnam War era CB radio that works still. Nice. Brandon Dodge, an old solar-powered calculator. Yubin Cho, an electronic dictionary by Casio. Don Sands II, a Zenith and Motorola vacuum tube AM-FM radio from the late 60s. Inspector Gatjet says Mattel Aquarius. Victoria King, I had a reel-to-reel until just recently. Sis borrowed it and uh, broke it in one go. Aw, man. I need a reel-to-reel. I still have uh, my old sound effects like you hear here on the podcast now. You just hit an MP3 file on your desktop and whatnot and drag and drop in your edits. But uh, back in the day, we had all these different tape-based sound effects. And that's what we actually used to dub music on, these little kind of like eight tracks, little uh, cart loops, and they were called carts or cartridges. And I had a reel-to-reel compilation of all my uh, sound effects and music beds, and, and we would record callers on uh, on the air. People would uh, now it's all digital, of course. But in the 90s and before, people would use reel-to-reel to record people calling on the request line, and then you would edit it with a grease pencil and some tape. You'd physically cut the tape, kind of like editing films back in the day. You'd physically cut the tape to do the edits. My brother says, hey, I found some of your reel-to-reels. And I'm like, uh, I'll, I'll get it someday. Maybe I can snag a working reel-to-reel machine off of uh, eBay someday. 
New question of the week. What fads over the decades did you actually buy into? You know, things that came and went. And maybe you've given some grief to friends or, or post about on social media. That's so dumb. How could you fall for that? And yet you harbor a deep, dark secret shame because you gave in. For me, fidget spinners. I ended up getting over a dozen, and I'm sure there's people out there that have way more than that. I mean, it became like the thing you saw in every convention dealer hall, like Pop Funko figures are now. I collected all these things, and I played with them the day I got them, and never again. I will say, though, my wedding ring has steampunk gears on it that move, so I can fidget with my own ring. What fad over the past few decades was your guilty pleasure? At me. At Boombox Pod. Oh, hey, I'm Gitz, and this is my partner, Shiggles. Hello. And as alien life forms, we are constantly trying to think of ways to pass the time. Well, you know, show prep for the podcast, uh, you know. Screw with all you earthlings by uh, making these UFOs appear and disappear. <laughs> no, introduce products the world needs, man. Yeah, right. You know, popcorn with movies is so 2019. It's time we rock it with movie meals. Yeah! Children of the corn dogs. Terminators. Lord of the onion rings. Harry Potter and the prisoner of Azkabobs. And for you anime fans, get yourself a heaping helping of animals. Santa Moon Pies. My Hero Macadamia Nuts. One Pizza. Naruto. Dragon Ball ZD. Seven Deadly Cinnamon Rolls. And Ghost in the Shellfish. Get Fat. Literally, consuming all the genre media entertainment. Why just watch it when you can eat it, too? Mmm. Those taste awful. Shiggles, we're still in the air. Uh, hello? It's the show that started my voiceover career back in 2000. Oscar Mary, the creator of the Fountain Podcasting 2.0 app, I was talking with him the other day, and he said he would love to hear a peek into how that sausage was made. So we're talking about Dragon Ball Z. Yeah. And I started watching it when it began airing in the States in like the mid-late 90s, and I read about the whole saga in a now-defunct magazine called Anamerica. The main characters would start out as kids, they grow up, they get married, they have kids of their own. So it's a completely different dynamic than The Simpsons or Charlie Brown. So here's some factoids I googled. So if any of this is wrong, don't shoot the messenger. Some of this I actually knew already. Like, Dragon Ball began as a manga from author Akira Toriyama that ran from 1984 to 1995. It's actually inspired by a Chinese 16th century novel called Journey to the West. An article on Screen Rant says that that novel follows the adventures of a core cast of characters that get into all sorts of shenanigans, dealing with enemies and demons. Sound familiar? Searching for spiritually significant items. Dragon Ball's main character, Goku, is directly based on Journey to the West main character, Sun Wukong, a monkey. The original manga and anime series, Dragon Ball, had a lot more emphasis on comedy. But the sequel series, Z, that's what really put the franchise on the map with all the action. Google questions that popped up when I clicked on, you know, the history of DBZ. What does the Z stand for? I'd always wondered that. And apparently the Z stands for Zenkai, which means last time in Japanese. The series was intended to wrap up the entire stories, but as all the fans know, with the ratings and merch sales, there was definitely a next time. For a fan and as a working actor, it's the gift that keeps giving. I've gotten a dub on all the series, the movies, the video games, and getting to knock out two of my life dreams. You know, working on the radio as a DJ, which directly transitioned into an audition opportunity with Funimation, and then suddenly I'm voicing on a show I'm a fan of. I'm like... What is life? 
starting with bit parts on the Bardock special, some small parts towards the end of the Cell Saga, and then I took over the adult version of Gohan once he starts going to high school, and have played that character ever since. And then I replaced uh, the narrator who went on to other things a couple months after that. A lot of people think, oh, you're the narrator on all the series. Like, no, actually, every series has its own narrator. Bryce Armstrong did Dragon Ball. I did Z on the versions you can get now. Before me, there was Dale Kelly, and in the Canadian-English dub was Doc Harris. Andrew Chandler did GT narration, and for Kai and Super, and all the current series of games, Doc Morgan, who I actually used to listen to as a kid on KZEW, a classic rock station in Dallas. So I walk into the offices of Funimation on my audition day, and I get there about 20 minutes early, and I look through the three-ring binder that had audition sides. They had two, one for male, one for female, and I went through it and was told to just sign in and then pick whoever I wanted to read for, you know, one, two, three, up to like five or six. So naturally, I picked Gohan because I knew who that was. I was already a fan of DBZ. And then everybody else, I had no idea because I hadn't seen the saga past what aired in the States. And I actually don't remember who I ended up reading for other than Gohan. And at the time, I was a DJ with Radio Disney. So I did the audition, went back to my job. Two weeks later, Chris Savitt, who directed the dub for DBZ, the movies, and a lot of the games since then, called me. And he's got this booming, bassy voice like, Hey, Kyle, this is Chris Savitt. I'd like to hire you to do some voices. You couldn't peel me off the ceiling. I was so excited. And I tried to call all my friends and my family, and no one answered the phone. So I'm just pacing the apartment. Oh, my God! And people say, were you nervous? And I went in and it just, it felt right. This is something I've wanted to do since childhood, voicing for animated characters. So I did the best I could, matching the lip sync. Justin Cook directed me on some of those episodes, especially on Dragon Ball. And he, t he said, you know, when you first came in, you were wearing that off-centered, iron-on, DBZ bootleg shirt. And we just totally wrote you off as a fan. It's like, there's no way this guy's going to be any good. So I always tell people, if you're going to audition for anime, don't cosplay. Don't wear merch for the show that you're reading for. <laughs> I naively thought that that would impress them. I don't know why I thought that. When people ask, what happened to Gohan? They did him wrong. And I'm like, yeah, tell me about it. He gets up right to the Majin Buu saga. You've been building up this character since he was a little kid. And then he gets absorbed and becomes a nerd. But he becomes a better dad and husband than Goku. And as far as I know, Akira Toriyama's never gone on record explaining why the sudden shift. The show kept going. The series kept going. The movies kept going. But I've been waiting for them to make Gohan great again. And if you search online, you'll see the brand new trailer that dropped for next year's new Dragon Ball Super movie, Superhero. And if that's any indication, good old Gohan will finally get to shine. Oh, hello. This is Gitz, and here's my partner, Shiggles. Hello. Thanks for tuning in to our unboxing audio. Oh, goody. What are we unboxing? Doesn't matter, because it's audio. Oh. Okay, so here we go. Okay. We've got some nice packaging here. It's really nice. Yeah. And okay. just rip this open. Uh, right. Use your teeth. Okay. Yeah. Ah. Okay. All right, good. Yeah. Okay, inside the package yeah. is some instructions. Cool. Right. What else? Okay. Some cards. Yay, cords. Okay. What else we got? An empty box. Thank you for listening to our unboxing audio. Remember, the best way to experience this podcast and other Podcasting 2.0 shows is to listen on a free Podcasting 2.0 app from newpodcastapps.com. I suggest Fountain, because Oscar Mary and his team are really doing some cool stuff over there. 
If you click the link in the show notes, you'll see an article on how to set up streaming micropayments in app as you listen to shows like this one. And you can help support all the podcasts that you love that are 2.0 enabled. That's going to wrap it up for now. Happy holidays to you and yours. And remember, the wise person feels the pain of one arrow. The unwise feels the pain of two. And the old just feel pain all over. How did I pull my back breathing? Until next time, I'll see you in the flippity-floppity.